that we're talking about today, I'm, I'm going to read you a direct quotation from it, and I just want to talk about it for just a moment before we really get started. Now, one of the characters said, and I quote, manga is literature. And I would like to tell you a story about when I was in sixth grade, and I tried to convince my reading teacher, my English and reading teacher, uh, that, I, that I mean, obviously, that reading manga is just like reading regular books, which I would say it's, it's comparable. I mean, you're definitely reading, definitely taking in information, perhaps just in a different way. And um, I convinced her to let me do a book report on Bleach. <laughs> and um, I did a book on report on Bleach. What's that? On, on Bleach? Bleach the uh, the like the anime manga. Series. Got it. I didn't know that was an anime manga. I thought it was yep. just a non sequitur. <laughs> nope. I did. A, I did my book report on Bleach and Ichigo and Rukia and her their whole journey um, into the 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 land of souls or whatever it is. It's been a long time since I <laughs> sort of consumed any of that. But uh, after I did my book report on Bleach, well, first of all, my teacher made me do a deal. And that I would have to do it on three books because, like, the amount of like actual reading that you do in a graphic novel is obviously a little bit different. And um, after I did my first book report on the first three uh, <laughs> Bleach manga novels, uh, I was told that I was not allowed to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll just open up the question to you: Have you ever read? You ever read a lot of manga? Do you ever get an anime and, and the likes? Manga, uh, manga. So my my general thing with with comic books in general um, is that I just have a hard time reading and processing the images at the same time. Like I don't sure. know why. That's just a me thing. Uh, and I do l- like them for the most part, but I prefer you know to to watch the anime versions of most of them uh, when I can. That doesn't mean I don't like them. I've still like looked through them. But even like graphic novels and comic books, I'm just not. That's not my number one go-to thing to read. Sure, um, sure. In general, not not that I'm opposed to it. I totally support your choice for mangaing and bleaching. But we're not here to talk about manga and anime. Oh, well, we're kind of gonna we're gonna get well, into we're it. Dip get into, into our some toes. of that. Yeah, today. But uh, we are here to talk about video games, all things past, present, and future video games. Uh, today we're talking about a video game of the past, and then also games of the present and future. I don't know what I'm on about here. It's Hitbox podcast. <laughs> My name is Peter Hunt-Spitzek, and uh, as always, joining me is my good friend, Justin Makovich. Hello, how are you doing this fine fall week? I'm doing pretty well. I had a busy week, but uh, I can't complain. I played some games. I did some work, made some videos. Uh, I don't know what I'm on about here. What are you What are you playing this week? What, what am I playing this week? Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I've been trying to like really appreciate this fall weather as much as mm-hmm. I can. Uh, so rather than go outside and walk like a normal person, I've been playing some spooky games, as Ooh. we'll be talking about today. But I did, in fact, finish Alan Wake. Did you really? I'm just, I'm did. proud of you. What did you think? It, I thought it was pretty good, right? It, I, I mean, I like, I'm it, like a huge like, fan. The story itself is fine. Still a lot mm-hmm. of forest. Like specifically in that <laughs> that final chapter, I'm like, can we just get on with it? And like by the time you actually wrap up the story, it kind of goes so fast. And yeah. and like the 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 chapter when you're like going to the dam and like getting the clicker, like that stuff. Pretty they they, they wrap up a lot of the story there and they tell you a lot of the stuff. But mm-hmm. then the end just kind of like not only is it a long slog to get to that cabin, but then actually having to like. Your final boss, which is you fighting a tornado, it was, was very kind of, right. very kind of quick. I wish it yeah. just lingered just a little bit more. And then because it's not like an open world, you can run around in afterwards. It's just kind of over, and you can play yeah. it again if you want a nightmare. But I don't think I want to go through those woods on nightmare difficulty. 
doesn't sound like a fun thing for me, but I did enjoy it. How many did you like? Are you a collectible guy? Did you get all the? There's like there's like eight different collectibles <laughs> throughout the whole game. It's like pages yeah. and and the the try like not the tri- the pyramids of Coke cans. Oh, a pyra- It's pyramids, like in Control. Oh, inverse pyramid of Coke cans. No, it's not inverse, no, but, but what if it was? Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would actually be very cool. Um, no, like with collectibles, like I always find myself I try to collect them all, but then I miss a bunch, so I like waste a bunch of time like trying to get them all when I should just follow a guide to begin with. Yeah. So you finished Alan Wake, what else? I finished Control yeah, uh, by the way. All the Control DLC. Oh, you did? How, I did? Okay, so like I still haven't gone back to it cuz I just finished Alan Wake, but now I'm to a point where I can see if it makes sense to me a little bit more yeah um, but did you like the control dlc yeah i thought it was good i again i said this i think last week i wish alan wake was in it a little bit more i thought that the thread that they used from alan wake was interesting but it was the kind of thing that i was like that was not like the most interesting part of alan wake the because it, it it revolves around the guy who uh is in charge of the like institution that you're putting like halfway through like the for for um is it an institution it's like uh i guess it is it's like a place for where creative people who are having like creative writers block yeah yeah so so you talk to that guy or i mean that guy's like the big monster and whatever and it's fine it it is it is good and it makes me think about like alan wake but um yeah i've not gone back to replay it i'm sorry no it's all good so so (laughs) alan wake and what else uh, well, then I've also been playing a couple of spooky ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk a little bit more about these uh, later on, but I've, I've been playing Blair Witch. I beat that one. Is that the uh, Bloober I, Team one? Yeah, it's the Bloober Team one. <laughs> Blair Witch Bloober Team. Okay. Uh, so I, I got through that. Um, and emphasis on I got through it. I was going to say. I've also been playing uh, The Room VR. I don't know if you ever played The Room before. Actually, I played it over the summer, the puzzle game, right? Yeah, did you play the VR version? I played it on the Switch. Okay, so I wonder how similar it is because I played it on the phone initially, mm-hmm. um, but the VR version is like very different from what the phone version was like. Like I was gonna, I was, I purchased this game because you know playing Spooky Game Month, and I it was like thirty dollars, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I can get this thing for like three dollars on my iPhone. Like, why am I gonna do this? But then I did it anyway because I have no self control, and then I start playing it, and it's like immediately different. Like, oh, cool! You, you you have like different rooms that you are in. Like, you start off in a detective's office, and you're basically trying to investigate this missing person, and then like things start getting weird, uh, and then you go to like a museum where there's a sarcophagus, and now I'm currently in a church. And I actually had one of the first times ever when playing VR that I had oh shit moment when I was uh, looking at it because there's this there's this thing that you do that you look at these like crystals and it's like, Oh, it looks, it looks weird. It feels like it's beckoning me. And then you can reach out and touch it mm. and you get transported into like the same room, but you're like tiny and you're like on top of the crystals and you like look down and it like feels like you're like on this little like platform thing. And I literally was like, Oh no God, I'm going to fall. But I was <laughs> like, wait cool. a second. Nope. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds way different. That sounds way different than switch. And then the final game I'm playing, which I, uh, we can talk about later as well is Hellblade. Um, I, I've just dabbled in it probably like an hour of the game, but, yeah. um, uh, been, been playing that one to get in the, the, the creepy mood. Awesome. Awesome. How about you? I've been, I've been playing, uh, I bought Hades. That's, that's a solid, solid game. I didn't know if I would like it. I didn't really like Bastion. Uh, and I, I heard a lot of comparisons to Bastion, but it's it's pretty great. I'm I'm enjoying it immensely. I don't have much to say about. It. I mean, 
I, I could talk about it a lot, but I think I'm excited to talk about other things this week. And then also, I picked up. Have you picked up Mario 35? No, I have no idea what that is. You put that on there, and I'm like, I thought it was Mario 64. <laughs> okay, so Mario 35 uh, is half of Mario 64, but also like plus three. You know, because Mario 64 divided by two would be 32. So it pl- so Mar- it's like Mario 64 plus three. I really hope that's not like their marketing plan. No, I'm okay. I'm I was being like, idiot. I'm that being is the most confusing name title that they have to explain. No, are you familiar with like Tetris 99? Yeah, it's like the same thing, but it's with like the original Mario Bros. So you play with 35 other people, and every time you kill an enemy, it puts that enemy on the your opponent's screen. Oh, and so basically you play, and every time you kill an enemy, you, you uh, gain time. So basically, the whole the idea is to survive as long as you can taking out as many enemies as you can until you're the final one and it's just like once you get to the end of a level it takes you to like a different level it could be completely random it doesn't have to go one one to one two but um it's it's fine it's 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 fun enough uh i'm not like a huge mario guy but i've been playing a lot of mario maker with elena and that that's it's a good game but uh it, it doesn't it's the kind of thing that like maybe i'll play a few rounds every night before i go to bed but like I'm not going to spend hours and hours and hours playing it. But it's cool. So today we're going to be talking about a, a handful of things. But mainly the main focus of sort of everything today is talking about like scary or spooky media, sort of getting in the fall, the Halloween spirit. So what is your what is your background with like? I mean, obviously we're going to be talking about games, but I'm sure like other other media will come in. What is, what is your background with like, for lack of a better term, like spooky or scary media? Do you do you like that kind of thing? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I'm I'm really not a fan of like horror genre in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess the easiest way for me to justify it is that a lot of the times with horror, the the best stuff for me that I like is the stuff that's unsaid. And and a lot of the times in a movie, they eventually have to say it. Sure. They have to like kind of like end the plot or at least move it along so you find out what's happening just to like complete the story. Um, and I feel like a lot of horror media, the story is always like cobbled together at the end. It kind of has, they have to tie it up in some way that all of the stuff that's set up at the beginning is by the time you get to the end, just lame. And yeah. I think like, uh, it, uh, the, it series specifically the remakes, I've never like seen the, the original, movies? but the remake, okay. yeah, the, the beginning of like the first one, it sets up all this like kind of creepy tone. But then at the end, when you start to see Pennywise, it's just kind of like, oh, there it is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I see it. Yeah. Okay. Well, because things are much um, scarier when you don't know what they are. And like when it went or I mean, there's the fine line, obviously. But like when you can't really identify what is like chasing you or whatever, that's what's way scarier than being like, oh, it's a it's a clown. Like, okay. Exactly. And and you know with that same tone like i'm not a big fan of the slashers of mm-hmm. of those things that are like the more violent ones with like the people chasing you and stuff like i that's just not the kind of stuff i like to watch i feel like that's very stressful stuff to sure, watch sure. and it's just never very satisfying to me personally so i also have a very low tolerance for getting creeped out not is it low tolerance is that the right way to put it i get creeped out easily yeah like things scare me and i get anxious and i don't want to play anymore sure or watch sense. anymore so not not usually a fan of that but what about you what are your horror so i i as a kid really hated uh, like really, really, I, w- I would get freaked out by everything. Uh, I would. You ever watch the show Psych? 
<laughs> no, psych- but I'm interested to hear what creeped you out about Dude, it. Dude, psych freaked me out. Just like the idea that like, hey, people can kill you. <laughs> like I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so so like it was like, again, I had, similar to you, had a very low tolerance for that kind of thing. And I still don't really like like horror movies because what I have found is that a lot of horror movies like turn into is just like jump scares and jump scares uh, like i think are okay sometimes when they're earned but when a game is just a jump like jump scare fest there's a game there's a game i actually i think i have it on steam it's called like uh spooky's house of jump scares or something like that <laughs> and and like that's just all it is and the, the thing about a jump scare is i'm not you didn't scare me you startled me and those are different and i'm not like i'm not afraid of being I'm afraid of being jump scared because I don't want to be startled, but I like jump scaring me doesn't make me feel uneasy. It just makes me go like, ah, and then I'm sort of over it. But I actually have a very, there's a very, I have a place in my heart for horror games because I, I love horror games for the most part with like some exceptions. Um, but I, I really like to play games that make me feel a little, a little on edge because I think that that is a feeling that, um, I don't like to feel in real life, but if I can have it sort of in a controlled way, then then I appreciate it a little bit more. But I've come I've come into that sort of as I've gotten a little bit older. Yeah, I think I think I've said this before, but with video games, like I usually play them to relax a yeah. lot of the times, which is why I kind of move away from things that are like ultra competitive. Uh, because I don't find that fun, mm-hmm. like when I'm trying to wind down after a long day. And I think horror it's the same kind of thing. Like I have to be in a, a mindset for that and I have to be like prepared to like be a little anxious and i usually feel like i'm never like playing a game when i'm at like a place where i can like sacrifice that time for me right which is why i kind of avoid it with movies too but there is just this like allure of the fall and like october time Mm -hmm. of like trying to get creepy stuff that i think um really makes you want to seek out that stuff i I think like when i'm thinking about what kind of our our larger topic of the halloween fall creepy games that we're going to focus on uh, when I'm looking for when when I'm thinking about this list, I am not thinking about games that are necessarily like in the horror genre or traditionally scary with like jump scares and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of things that uh, games that have a very like creepy atmosphere to them that make you feel like y- this this is a good game to play at this time of year when things are at their creepy in it, creepiest. Yep. And I think pretty much all these games, I think you'd have a hard time calling them horror games but i do feel like they get you in the mood okay if but, that makes sense. so we made we both made lists of three games and then i have some honorable mentions because you're you gonna try and contain me can try and contain this you can't contain me <laughs> so we we made a list of uh each of us three games that are that are good for like the fall time halloween the the mood get in the mood again like, like what you just said it's, it doesn't have to be necessarily like scary games that are like marketed as horror games, but just something that sort of gets you in the mood. Mood. So, Justin, what's your? Fir- I want to hear your first game. Also, okay, are so yours first- ordered? Because I'm in. Mine are in no particular order. Mine are in no particular order, and right. I want to start off with one, so you kind of get my idea of where I'm going with this list. That okay. I think it's a pretty, pretty clearly not a horror game, but it's a little unsettling and creepy, and that's one of also one of my favorite games of all times, which is The Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. Oh. oh! Oh yes. Okay. I do you know about my tattoo? 
No. I, have a, I have a big, I have a big Majora's Mask tattoo here. I mean, this is gonna do nothing for. This will be great for the for I'll, I'll audio. I'll, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll narrate what I'm seeing. Okay, so it is uh, the Majora's Mask itself. It's just, it's just a. That was a good narration on my ribcage. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture on the Twitter. Account. <laughs> uh, but talk about oh, they, oh yes, yeah, that's a good answer. Go on. So like. This game was one of the games that when I was a kid, I I had a hard time playing and a hard time getting through. Mm -hmm. And let's take everything aside. Like, we're not talking about what's happening in the plot. We're not talking about the characters. We're talking about the time restriction aspect of things. Because I feel like to begin with, if if you're thinking of a game that's really kind of like making you feel anxious and scared and anxiety ridden, uh, the fact that there's this time limit to it absolutely kind of like puts me on edge the entire time I'm playing. I mean, when when I when I before I really like knew the dungeons and how to get through it, like there were some times when it was legitimately like the end of the game, like the end of the third day and you're like trying to beat that final boss so you can get back and you can like save um save the game in time while still not having to restart your progress and that's terrifying in itself. But even like the fact that you are in this this town that's about to be destroyed by a moon yeah. and wherever you are in this map and you look up in the sky you see this creepy face moon just slowly getting bigger ever the like the doom and the dread is just constantly getting closer um and you're you're interacting with all these people who are basically either kind of just trying to blissfully ignore the fact that their end is coming or they're just kind of dealing with the end and Everywhere you go, there is something a little creepy, something a little unsettling, and the overall tone of that game is is one of the creepiest experiences, I think, um, uh, in video games, and par- partially because of the fact that when I, I played this when I was younger, but I still think to this day, it's a, it's a very creepy game. I, I totally agree, and, and, and it is so in the, like, yeah, it's, it's not a horror game, but I mean, it's, it's unsettling, and, and dealing with the constant dread is totally totally right i assume you've probably seen the theories on like this might even be like a game theory video like one of the older ones which is yeah something <laughs> to talk about another day but <laughs> <laughs> um but like the, the theory that like link is in purgatory because all of the different um the, the different areas or, or uh, sorry, Link is dead and in purgatory because all the different areas are different uh, parts and like the the stages of loss and 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 that uh, it's so good, it's great, and that is that's the perfect answer. You won, you already won. I'm not even gonna <laughs> do my list. Oh, that's a good and game. Like, and like when you're thinking about like if you're if you're like, well, it's not a horror game. When you put on your freaking masks, yeah, like, like there is nothing creepier and... than that. Your like yeah. face gets all like scream. It's it's creepy, man. Well, and even <laughs> even all of the masks that you get, you get from dead people who are like, mm-hmm. please just let me. Like I want to I want to live like forever, kind of through you, which is I mean, hey, like dark and heinous like itself, right. you know. Um, and even even like the Majora's Mask is spooky to look at because it's it's really colorful but like the eyes are so big and like you know unblinking oh oh that's that's a great answer oh my gosh i don't even want to say mine (laughs) (laughs) i'll here i'll 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 go for one um left for dead 2 and i say left for dead 2 specifically just because of my own associations with it but i could i would say that you could probably you know cycle in either left for deads um those games are so they're not they they go from being like fun 
co-op shooters with your friends of shooting zombies. If you're not familiar, you play as four survivors in the zombie apocalypse, and um, there are 10,000 zombies that you have to get through. <laughs> so you, you arm up with all sorts of different uh, weapons and pipe bombs and pills and things like that to get through the hordes and get to these safe zones and safe areas. And it's it's fun with your friends when you're fighting the regular zombies, but anytime that any of the other like mutated ones show up, like the tank, which is this huge, huge bullet sponge enemy that just flips cars over, and if it hits you, you basically die in one hit. Or the witch, who's a similar thing. She's like a, a woman who's not fully transformed yet, and she's like sobbing. Like it goes from having a good time with your buddies and playing, you know, over the over the internet to being very unsettling pretty quickly just just with those like the shift between like okay yeah i can take care of ten thousand zombies by myself no problem to being like hey guys uh don't shoot the witches there we don't want to scare the witch please don't shoot please don't shoot please don't shoot uh have you ever played left for dead uh i played it i played it and like i i can't say like a game like that to me is is a creepy game but yeah. it is nothing it is nothing but a perfect halloween type of game to right. play an october game by yeah. far uh, it's a good Halloween game. I, play, I played that a lot when I was in like eighth grade over Xbox Live with my friends. Oh, that brings me back. I miss those days. What's your next thing? So my next uh, game, uh, and again, this this is not like explicitly a horror game, mm-hmm. uh, but it's one that is, I think, set into a gothic horror world, and that would be Bloodborne. Ah! Um, and uh, I think even more than just Bloodborne, the, the funniest, the funniest, uh, when you're playing a Souls game for the first time, I find nothing to be creepier than that because yeah. you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what big boss is about to attack you. But Bloodborne itself, it starts off exceptionally creepy yeah. and it is set in a world that is like this horror uh, kind like of gothic uh, horror yeah like Aldrich yeah exactly horror. and you have like you know like fuzzy werewolves attacking you and bloody dripping characters everywhere you go people just like uh, like pursuing you and attacking you and everything is super creepy with it and specifically that first time like have you played bloodborne so actually so when i got my ps4 that was one of the games i got and i started it because I, I really like souls games and from what i understand about bloodborne it sounds like it would probably be my favorite but uh, I started it, and I just was like, I cannot be dealing with this. Like, <laughs> like just the, the mood of this game is not something that I can sort of get behind at this moment. So it's the kind of game I want to come back, get back to. I, didn't, I think I beat the first boss and then sort of was over it, but I'll get back to it. Yeah, and, and like just when you first go through that that first town area, the first time you do it, it probably takes you quite some time as you're slowly moving toward like forward in it and like learning like the enemies and where they pop out and how to kill them. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, by the time you're like an expert player, you can just like rush through it like it's nothing and it kinda loses a lot of that creepiness. But um the actual backstory of Bloodborne itself, I'm no expert on this lore or anything, but it's pretty it's pretty like just spooky in general with with Everything that happens with the, the uh, you know, kind of like seeing things that are so unsettling that kind of drives you crazy slowly. Yeah. And how, you know, the more, I, I believe it's called insight, the more yeah. insight you have, the more things like the creepy and unseen things you can see in the world. And it just has this great kind of 
uh, horror vibe to it that if you're thinking about the perfect kind of Halloween game, and if you've never played it before specifically, I'd definitely say you should open this game up, give it a chance, yeah. and then once you get to the Blood Starved Beast, you maybe, maybe you can turn it off at that point because that's, that's not a fun boss fight. <laughs> Which one is it? I, I don't know enough about it. Is it like where is that in the game? Because with my with my experience with from games, like from software games, I I've only completed one. I completed Dark Souls three, and the rest of them I played until I got what I wanted out of them. <laughs> All right, what's your next game? Your next creepy one? Uh Until Dawn. That is maybe Ooh. one of my. I think it's probably the best. Um, like, how, how would you even call it? Interactive movie game. You know, in the the David Cage variety in the. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. Just Heavy Rain, Detroit. <laughs> Those are all him, though. Uh, the Ellen Page one. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. These these games yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like, oh, or like Telltale games as well that really, really emphasize decision-making and making choices and uh, the story and the acting performances as well. Until Dawn's great. It's, if, if you don't know, you play as, like, five or six teenagers in a slasher movie and they are going to, they basically one year for like New Year's Eve or whatever, they were having a party and they pranked these twin sisters so hard that they both fucking died. <laughs> they, they run outside of like the cabin and they get chased by something and they both fall off the, um, they, they both fall off a cliff and die. And, the son, so, and then so to commemorate that, their brother is like, hey, we're having all of us over again the same night. Uh for for another party and like it's it's uh bohemian it's mr it's mr robot who's that with and and freddie mercury from bohemian rhapsody the actor oh no i should i should know this yeah rami malik yes rami malik before he was super famous and when he wanted to be in video games uh and when he still looks creepy yeah he he well he does a great job selling it but so it's a slasher movie where you play as all the characters all the teenagers who you know he plays the ones who go off to go have sex and the ones who are gonna get you know I don't know if anyone gets like. I mean, you have you have the 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 typical stereotypes. Yes, yes, the jock and the your typical like basic horror movie uh, caricatures. Yeah, so it's 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 great, and and I think the decision making is awesome, and I think that the way that they show what choices mattered uh, is is pretty cool. I I have I talked about I don't know if I talked with you about this, but when I played Detroit. Something that I thought was interesting was that it didn't, it wasn't really clear all the time when you were making a choice, you know, and and it was like, oh yeah, you picked up that thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Was, I thought ever, I thought that was just what you were supposed to do. Yeah, you didn't have to do that. Oh my gosh, and this impacted all this other stuff. So, what I do appreciate about Until Dawn is that it does kind of let you know, like, hey, are you gonna really want the baseball bat there? Think about it. <laughs> Think about if you were to want to grab the baseball bat, where would you? want to put it if you perhaps needed it later uh so it does a really cool job of like letting you know hey you just did something that was important remember that uh so so what's your third game all right my third game hey, go, real quick go play until dawn it's very good oh yeah please play until I actually dawn. play and all it, these games these are all stellar games well this next game i don't know if i can necessarily recommend that everyone plays oh uh-oh. what is it <laughs> it's one of those like if you like it if it looks like you like it, then you should play it. But if it doesn't look like your cup of tea, don't play it. And that game would be Death Stranding. Okay. Let me tell you about Death Stranding. <laughs> Death Stranding is a very confusing, complicated game in which <laughs> I'm trying to sit here explain what happens in this game when there's really no way to do it. But I guess the 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 way to describe it, it's like what's going to happen if 
the postal service shuts down. It's very topical. And then the internet shuts down. And then we have to come up with a way to still deliver items and supplies from one point of the country to the next. Mm -hmm. So we basically have guys who strap all this garbage on their back and they walk from one place to another. Now, while in itself a male carrier game is not the creepiest, this is also a Hideo Kojima game. And it is creepy, weird, unsettling, and downright confusing at times. So... Without getting too much into the crazy lore, there are these certain sections that are infected with these like dark presences that basically are only visible by their little hands in the ground, kind of like this like inky kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, you go in these places and you usually have to get a bunch of supplies that are there, usually important for the plot or whatever. So you basically have this little like chirping thing on your shoulder that like chirps in the direction of where these figures are. And it's chirping as it and if you get closer it goes faster and then it like points in the in the direction of where they are and you have to like basically hold your breath and like sneak past these people and the when you're actually doing the sneaking and you're actually trying to avoid these like shadowy invisible figures that you only see their little hands for it is super creepy as you're just going through this world trying to avoid those things and you never know when they're going to appear like you can just be like on a bike like just ch- chilling like a motorcycle not like a not like a little schwinn but like a motorcycle you could be on a motorcycle and all of a sudden like the storm it starts storming and you get that thing in, in your little tracker starts like going on your shoulder and then you look at it and you're like oh we're about to do this and then you have to stop and you have to like crawl through the area and it's just super creepy and the story itself you're just you're always asking like what is happening in this game right mm-hmm. now? If there's like something off, I don't know what that thing is, but it's so Hideo Kojima, I guess is the sure, best way to sure, explain yeah. it. And there are these these like really highlight moments uh, when you are basically fighting against the Mads Mikkelsen character, mm-hmm. who's also already a creepy looking guy. Well, um, but basically, on. Now, hold on. Yeah, what's up? What you got against Mads Mikkelsen? <laughs> I mean, think of the roles he plays. He's usually wearing mascara and doing creepy stuff. All right, so he's, uh, you, you've described Doctor Strange. And Death Stranding. <laughs> okay. And-, and while not mascara, it's blood in uh, Casino Royale. Okay, yeah. and he's- Stuff is coming out of this man's eyes. Yeah. That's his number one acting trait. You look at his resume, it's like <laughs> Just- kind of like dramatic actor eye seepage. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay go on. Sorry. So you have these these parts when you, when you uh, are going against him, and basically you are put into these arenas that are to simulate different wars. So you have like the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War, mm. whatever. And you basically he's like this like army person who has these like creepy skeleton people that are following him, and you have to slowly pick off the creepy skeleton people to make him vulnerable so you can attack him. And the whole time you're in this war zone, you hear booms and bams everywhere that you're going you're trying to sneak around and you're trying to shoot this guy and it is just overall creepy but it the the way it's done is so great i was almost thinking of putting a uh, metal gear solid 5 on this list because there's plenty of moments in that game that are like exceptionally creepy sure um and and have this like weird tone to them um, but I think ultimately that game kind of like just dies near the end in terms of its of its overall story that the whole thing is not consistently creepy. We're Death Stranding. It's any moment you can be suddenly attacked by a giant squid ink whale um, that you have to like run away from. Sure. Interesting. What's your final game? 
So mine is a Hideo Kojima production. It's called PT. Now I want to talk about PT. Weird. As being the <laughs> single. Mo- okay. 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 PT is straight up fucking cursed. I can't. I can't even talk. Like. Okay. PT. If you don't know. PT was a playable teaser that went up on, which is what it stands for, a playable trailer, which which went up on the PlayStation uh, store in like 2015 or something like that, and no one could figure out what it was. And then if you beat it or got some of these certain endings in it, you got a little teaser for a game called Silent Hills, which was going to be Hideo Kojima's uh, take on Silent Hills, which then got canceled, and it's the saddest thing that's ever happened in video games because that game would have been incredible. And then he went on to make Death Stranding. So, PT is seriously, uh, like, book, movie, game, whatever, the single scariest thing I've ever, like, literally ever experienced. Uh, it is, you you play as this person, it's kind of unclear who you are, you are going through this hallway in a house, just a regular hallway in a house, and on the radio, there is this horrible, horrible, horrible radio story going on, basically... Uh, talking about this man who shot his pregnant wife and it's it's very upsetting it's very unsettling and basically you get to the end of the hallway you go it through the door and then you end up back in the same at the beginning of the hallway again and you do it again and again and again and things change and you're followed by these ghosts that are fucking horrific like 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 talking about it i'm getting kind of like uncomfortable right now it's it, it's extremely upsetting and uh, the saddest thing is that you cannot really play this anymore. Uh, it, it's hard to find because it got taken off the store. And so basically people sell their PS4s that have PT downloaded on it for like $1,000. Um, or you could play it on Dreams, which I've heard that the Dreams remake of it is actually pretty faithful to it. So it, it is, again, seriously, This I mean, I do you share my feelings on it? It's the scariest thing oh, I've ever experienced. Oh, absolutely. Like, like it, it, it is like... If if you're thinking about like how a video game can be scarier than a movie, this is like the perfect way like like example to show you, because you're interacting with everything and you have kind of control over what it is your character is doing and you can make these decisions and even though you're able to make these decisions, you still they they still find ways to mess with your mind. Like for example, like the the Lisa the ghost creature that follows you throughout the whole you're looking behind you I'm sorry for no I, it's that. literally but, it's literally because I'm kind of freaked out go on yeah but like at random the 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 Lisa character will like jump up behind you and if you like turn around then she like comes in your face and basically looks like she's like killing you uh but it just happens in such a creepy like jump scary way but like it's just so consistently it, 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 it ramps up yeah yes it 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 because it starts off and you're like okay whatever like just it's a hallway i live in a, hey i live in a house and like yeah but that's why it's so fucking scary you idiot because <laughs> like, it's like it's your house it's in your house and you're safe and and oh my gosh i there's a mirror behind me holy shit i just saw myself did you see that i just scared myself so bad <laughs> oh my gosh um i we got to stop talking about this it's straight up cursed my two honorary mentions are animal crossing <laughs> let's talk about animal crossing for a second uh it's just a nice game to play during the holidays because there's all sorts of fun in-game events that are going on especially right now there's a halloween update uh, where all your villagers are walking around and you can buy candy for them and you could look like a zombie or like a vampire or whatever. If you're thinking about a perfect game to play to get in the Halloween spirit, you can decorate with spooky things. They have all the recipes that you can make. Like, absolutely a perfect game to play at this time of year. I agree with you. And there's no horrible fucking horrific monsters in it. Well. 
except for the the Nintendo online servers are, are pretty much the <laughs> biggest <laughs> monster. <laughs> Last honorable mention is Slender the Eight Pages. Have you played that game? So um, I'm glad you specified Slender the Eight Pages. I was really considering which, like, if I was going to put this one on my list, the Slender the Arrival. Yeah, don't play that the, game. Yeah, it's not good because no. the the kind of like full version of the game is worse because it's just like ex- expanded and they have like like they just throw the jump scares in your face but slender the eight pages the reason Ooh. why the reason why slender is so scary is because it looks like dog shit and like i i think that's i think that's why because it looks so bad I'm, I'm like cursing a lot i don't know why uh it, it looks so bad it looks really really bad but that's kind of what makes it so scary is that it's like kind of shoddy and kind of janky and the fact that Slenderman is just a dude with long arms. I think they added like tentacles because that's like part of the lore too. But like just the like the creepypasta lore behind Slenderman is scary enough that um, that game is is great for Halloween and brings me back to my freshman year of high school when it came out. And it's like I, I think it's creepier to me than like amnesia, where it's like you you in amnesia you can't look at the 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 creature because it like you know causes you to I guess like freak out. Yeah. This one it's the same basic thing except you, you the the thing is like you're trying to like just avoid it, and if you see it, you're like oh it's like in the corner of your eye. You gotta like kind of like turn away. Yeah. And like it, it's just like the way that that happens and like how hard it is to actually beat that game maybe yeah. i'm just a bad gamer no it's, i think like, it's pretty hard because like each page you get slender gets a little bit more aggressive with how uh he chases you yeah. so like the first ones you can kind of explore randomly and it's just like the the same basic world but it's really hard to find your way around when you're when you're playing it until mm-hmm. you like actually like memorize the map personally uh it's just it's just a creepy creepy game it's so simple but so creepy um dark spooky you never know where he's standing and he's just Wait, standing there just you? looking at you it's behind don't you. stop don't don't do that i'm gonna hang <laughs> up this call i'll do it i swear so all that said about horror uh justin and i were trying to come up with a, a spooky game to play together or i'm not together but to play both of us individually in our separate <laughs> homes because social distancing is important please wear your mask when you go outside uh i'll die on that hill um please don't mention dying and hills and masks and silent hills and spooky and horror don't touch that dial that's from pt remember like the scariest part Mm -hmm. of that game yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay anyway um too many scary things we we decided that we were going to play a game i think you brought it up uh because it's it's easy easily digestible very quick uh doki doki literature club now hold on what is this a horror game kind of it's kind of listed that way on steam if i'm not mistaken um, and and it certainly gets into some of those those horror. It, I, I would say that it is. It probably fits in the horror genre with a big asterisk next to it. You, you've never played this, is that correct? So okay, I I don't remember if it was me who suggested this for you, but like when this came out, I heard that it was like one of those things you got to play this. So I yeah. bought it, and I was I was telling you about it. I think that it was a horror game, and then you got it. So I played. But I never it. finished it. Did you start it? I started it. I, I got like an hour and some and some change into it the first time last year. Got it. Okay, so I played it when it first came out because my roommate at the time uh, was like, "You got to play this game." I was like, "I don't think I do. <laughs> like, I think I'm okay." <laughs> Just because I was like looking at it, and it's like it, it is basically an like an anime dating game with a twist. Which, by the way, we're gonna 
spoiler. Uh, two Full things. spoilers. Full spoilers. Thing one. So spoiler warning. Second thing. Content warning. If you are uh, maybe don't want to hear or talk about things like uh, self harm, mental health issues, depression, and suicide, then maybe maybe uh, skip to the end of this this particular episode. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week, and we won't talk about that. But. Um, Doki Doki Literature Club is a like an anime dating harem game with a twist to it, and and it, the twist is not immediately apparent until like halfway through the game. Which when we talked last week, you were like, "Yeah, it's like four hours, right?" And I was like, "I thought it was like two. Oh no, it's four hours." I was totally mistaken. I was gonna try and play it. I was gonna play it in one sitting because uh, that's what I thought I did last time, and so I played it all yesterday. And I started it, and I was like looking at my play time. I was like, "Oh, four and a half hours." So I, I did play the whole thing yesterday, not in one sitting, because that's like it took me you know four hours or so. But um, so so I I've played this game before. Uh, so so you'd never played this. Were you familiar with like anything? Like, what did you know about it going in? Uh, I I heard it was a horror game. Okay, and that's it. And that you should play it. And I was like, okay. And then I I downloaded it. And then the first playthrough, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. I was kind of bored out of my eyes. Like I, I kept playing, trying to like get through it, but like just reading all this text and like with this like playful music in the background, I was like, this is a boring, right? Like, yeah. Have you ever like read of it or like, I guess played a visual novel before? The the only other one I played was Had a Full Boyfriend. Okay. The pigeon, the pigeon dating simulator. Okay. I don't know what that is, but that sounds Let me tell you about horror games right there. (laughs) You get to be a pigeon and find what pigeon you like the best. And I didn't like get through it enough to like get the quote unquote twist ending, but mm-hmm. there's apparently some twists and turns in that one. I just played through it once, got the first ending I got, and I was like, "You know what? I'm never going to do this again." Yeah, that that tracks. So I've played a handful of of um uh visual novel games of varying degrees of uh quality. <laughs> oh, you made me fucking play 2 hours of Kododamo Fuji <laughs> Something is the seven twists of bullshit. It was great, man. <laughs> it was like a 99 was cent game up. on Steam. Uh, you Steam well, uh, the Nintendo library. Yeah, basically you had to like um, do like square puzzles to get characters clothes off. And it was like a metaphor was, for their like their outside layers. But it was literally just taking I didn't their clothes get, off. I did not get that far in that game. It was... <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll did talk you ever about find that. out who the wolf was? What? <laughs> there was a wolf? Yeah, there's a talking wolf. Did you ever find out who that was? Come on, so. you're missing out. This is game game of the year. I wish I could remember the name, but I can't, nor Kotodama, do I care to look it up. The seven, the seven, seven mysteries of like some high school name. Whatever. Yeah, that but, sounds like it would be rated poorly. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so it t- it takes too long to get going because so much of so much of this the dating sim parody game is just a dating sim that it's like oh my gosh there's an incredible there's an incredible line at the beginning where um so you you basically you go to high school your day it's like your first day of like your junior year or something like that and you show up to school and you are hanging out with this girl who lives next door to you and she's like will you join my club we need more members and it's a literature club and there's like three other members uh, excluding her and yourself and there's a line when you're standing there and it says this club dot 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 is full of incredibly cute girls <laughs> and it's like come on man i think i think to get the most out of this you have to like these games 
because <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because when it really starts twisting, then that's when you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Where for me, I played it. This was like the first visual novel I had ever played. And it was kind of like, I hope it's not like this the whole time because I don't like this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, don't... like, I, it's this is a hard, this this might come to near the end of the review, but this is a hard game to recommend. Yeah. Because you got to find, like, someone who not only likes horror games, likes dating sims, and likes visual novels in, like, one. Right. And that, I don't know of many people who are into that. Like, I was even thinking, like, would this be something Claire would like to play? And then I was like, no, I think I can explain this to her in 20 minutes and she'll get all she needs out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the whole thing. It's like, I don't... Elena was asking me about it. She's like, was the story good? And I'm like, no, because it's... She she asked, "Is it fun to play?" I'm like, "Well, no, because it's just reading. Like, you don't." There's no, no, I think game. I sent you. I sent you a gif of of a, of a character just like clicking a button the whole time, and then yeah. like smiling once, and then stop smiling, keeps clicking. Like yes, that's how that's, I felt playing this game. Right, because I mean, it's just it's a click. It's like basically clicky clicker, um, <laughs> but it it is like it's not fun because it's just reading. I mean, the story isn't great because it's not like a good story. It's not like a gripping story. It's more of like the experience of having your expectations played with is and the meta like qualities that that has is worth talking about and experiencing. And I mean, again, this was my second time playing through. So maybe you can attest to this a little bit better than I can right now. Was it scary to you? No, it was like it's it's scary in in the way that they uh, use jump scares and stuff. Yeah. Like the they're what they do is they kind of play with your expectations a little bit. They um will add like creepier like a mi- they'll, they'll turn the music to minor key or they'll do like sudden like quick jumps of a character. And this is by the way like a- after playing end. it for almost 2 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and they'll like also like have a character pop in or suddenly like change the uh, the color so it's like inverse. And like do do things like some of the creepiest things that they do is that when they cut the music out completely randomly. Yes, that that is when it gets like the most, like, uh, um, yeah. So, I, quick question for you. Yeah. And I guess it's a quick cool question for me and potentially a long answer from you. So, this is a this is a tricky topic, I guess, to talk about, and we'll talk a little bit more about it it's representation in video game, like the representation of mental health and stuff in video games. But you, what was your reaction to Sayori's suicide? Now, uh, it, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to think about like what my initial reaction was in terms of, I thought it was cool or not because there's definitely like, so the game, let's talk about the gameplay aspect before I kind of okay. get into that because the gameplay aspect is basically other than clicking through dialogue, you have to make like a, like a handful of like choices. Like you pick a character to like interact with, Yeah. but the basic gameplay is every night you go home and you write a poem that you're going to be sharing uh, with the literature club the next day and you basically choose from a list of like 18 words and you have to do it like 20 times and each word is like something one of the three main girls is like into like whether it's the cutesy kind of wacky stuff uh, or like the kind of emotional kind of stuff so if you're interested in one of the three girls that you can choose from you you want to like choose the, the words that are most that they would be most interested in yeah interested in so 
what you'll do is then you'll present these poems to the girls, and then the girls will give you their poem. And the first one starts off exactly what you would expect from their characters. One is a little bit more like abstract, emotional. The other one's just like, things are cute. And then the the other one is kind of like, oh, I'm a little absent-minded. Whoops. <laughs> kind <Right>. of thing. <laughs> right. But then you get to the second day, and like... I mean, I'm an English teacher, so I, I like I follow <laughs> metaphors and themes and stuff yeah. pretty well. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading these and I'm like, well, these are just metaphors for mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty obvious that that that's the case. Now, the only one girl, I'm not quite sure what Nasuki's thing is because I didn't replay the story. So I never really found out what her character's fatal, fatal flaw was. I was going to say, so you, which which character did you do like like biggest air quotes in the possible like? in humanity did you like romance uh so the order was sayori and then yuri for me gotcha interesting um and i'll be interested to hear what the differences are in the story but did you did you find out what natsuki's uh fatal i guess i hate to say uh, what her (laughs) like representation was so okay Yeah. yeah so basically um so the first time i played this when it came out i like i I always want to do games like this. I stick to one it, games like this. Whenever like I have the option. Every time you play a visual <laughs> novel dating sim. So I, I always want to stick with one character because I don't like being wishy-washy and I like getting the one ending with that character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I stuck with Natsuki in the, fir- the first time I played it. And uh, she doesn't really have. Okay. Do you, do you know what Sundere and Yandere are? No. Okay, so they are like character tropes in like they're Japanese words, obviously, and they are character tropes uh, that are very common in like anime or manga or like Japanese games or I don't know anything about Japanese TV, but I assume they're probably in there too because those characters also exist in our um, in our media as well, but like to a lesser degree because we we have like different character tropes that we aim for but so sundere is a japanese term for a character with a personality who is initially uh like polarized as being like really warm and nice and then very cold and hot-headed before then being very nice so natsuki is sundere which basically is she's like really like she's very aggressive to you but then the more you get to know her she kind of opens up a little bit more and then the opposite of that is uh, Yuri, who is Yandere, which is someone who is, like, driven to insanity by obsession or, like, love to the point of being, like, violent and, like, creepy and stalkery, which obviously it gets there towards the end. And so Natsuki doesn't really have, like, an overt, like, thing other than her being kind of hot-headed and emotional and, like, she pushes people away before really letting them in. So, okay, well, I guess I looked a little too deeply into what they were talking about. But what I I was kind of reading, because her second poem is all about the spider metaphor and her friend uh, Amy. And it starts off talking yeah. about how Amy likes spiders. Um, and I guess the, the direction I took this with, which might have been way wrong, um, I thought there was an issue with her at home with her father. And her father was a little bit of a creepy character. Hmm. Um, and she was just trying to like cover all of that up and like, kind of ignore it. And it was kind of like... Uh, that's where I was going with it, but I guess I was looking too deep into that. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> it's it's been so long since I played it. I it didn't. Yeah, I remembered like the big moments, but not like a lot of that in like individual stuff. 
Yeah, no, and I and I think yours makes sense because like even with the spider poem, she's like someone who judges people um, too much at first instead of like letting them in. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the the gross home life uh, equation out of this with that. But anywho, right. so you have you have the those poems on the second day that really start to kind of get into these characters' minds about what's wrong with them or what what's bothering them. I guess is the better way to put that. Yeah, and so then it becomes very clear that they are all dealing with some deeper issues. And then once we start to see um, your, the, uh, like, uh, Sayori kind of, like, change a little bit, and then when you start showing her affection, then it becomes like, okay, I think I see where this is going with this character. And then how it's, like, a weird situation where you, you kind of, like, inter- interactions with her. She's like, you know, I don't necessarily, like... You know, I, I I don't want you to like waste your time on me and spend your time here anymore. Yeah. And then eventually you have to make a decision if you want to be with the girl who you invite over to your house or if you want to go to her. And that like that choice, no matter what you choose, ends with the same thing with it. But yeah. I could kind of tell like either one of these answers is not a good one. Confessing my love for you right now when you're in this vulnerable state. <laughs> not, no a, not a pro move, friends. No. Not a pro move. But also saying it like ignoring her and moving her off to the side would also be kind of a bad solution for her. Right. So I kind of called that coming from that interaction when you when you first like go to her house on, on that Saturday when you invite the other person over. Yeah. And then when she didn't show up, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. And then obviously she's in the room and she's hung herself. It's. I don't know. Here's the thing here to me. I. I got something out of it the first time I played it that is completely different than what I got out of it this time. The first time I played it, I thought it was, I mean, pretty, like, scary is maybe the wrong word, but, like, it was definitely, like, unsettling for sure, and I think it still is unsettling to, like, you go to school and you're like, oh, uh, Sayuri's not here. Where is she? And then uh, Monica, Monica is like, uh, I don't know. Like, she, you didn't, like wait for her that's kind of shitty of you as a friend and then you're like oh my gosh i should go run and you go and then she's hung herself and the image is like upsetting to look at and like just that whole like topic is sad it's just sad is the thing it's like looking at it's like oh this is extremely sad it's not really scary it's just like a really big bummer and and they use that image i don't know if this happened to you again when i was looking into the different paths there's always like there's like a 6 1 in 16 chance of x thing happening at any given time like of like weird like glitches in the background happening mm-hmm. so it just sounds like it's like the single most like on it's cool because each time you play it it would be different but not in a really noticeable way did you see that in the background uh, i had the poster in the back like way in the background instead of just being like i don't know like a list of whatever you can't really read it it's just the image of her hanging in her room no i didn't i I mean i to be honest i didn't really look at that (laughs) that image and like i didn't like inspect it with with a fine tooth comb i'm sure maybe something like that could have been there but you said that was one of the one in 16th chances yeah yeah it's just like i don't know it's it's a it's an interesting experience i think to to play and to be like whoa that was like subversive but when everyone else started going crazy what did you think about that so i think that's that's when it starts to get creepy because after that first initial um once sari uh kills herself 
then you like go and play the game again and that's when it starts to get really messed up like like obviously messed up in terms of like the sound changing the music changing yeah the weird like redacted text with like stuff over that um and i think if we're talking about why this is considered to be like a horror genre i think that's the part of it that really starts to be a little creepy because they're like playing and messing with with your expectations like that mm-hmm. like uh with the second playthrough when you are when yuri starts to like be like obsessed with you and they cut to that creepy thing of her like eyes just like darting around left and right in like a really creepy way like that that that's clearly meant to be an unsettling image for you that's not necessarily focusing on on like the mental health aspects of things like the Mm -hmm. other stuff so it's not like they're just playing on mental health as their grounds for horror but they're definitely using that stuff and kind of making that the 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 crux reason yeah yeah exactly and it just it just it, it, i don't know it just made made me like when i was done playing this game i was like what is that really saying about mental health what is that right. really kind of saying about you know high schoolers in general and like it was it was it was a weird it was a weird kind of like moment at the end of it when you eventually go in and you know defeat the 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 big bad of it and then you start playing the game again and it's fine until it's not. Again. Well, it's, it's just like a kind of, like if I can double back, Sayori hanging herself is just sad. You know, it's it's not that's not creepy. It's not scary. It's just really sad to like. To it, think it's about sad, but and, I feel like the way they set it up, they set it up to be creepy. And that's and that's the whole thing. Yeah, is playing it the first time. I mean, not that I'm that much older, but like I definitely have a different perspective on on the way that sort of these things are portrayed in games a little bit more and just portrayed in general. The first time I played it, I was like, "Oh, that's so creepy and spooky." Because I mean, it's like an unflinching look at this, but no, it's just kind of like fetishizing it a little bit, you know? Because it's also in this anime dating game game like and so it's not it's not creepy it's just sad and but but the game is like isn't that so messed up and it's like yeah it's yeah it's 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 messed up that that happened but like it's not messed up because it's a cool scary thing it's messed up because it's like a thing that happens and it's not like a fun thing to like make a game about you know yeah, and and I feel like like when you're talking about how it, it's glorifying is the wrong word for that, but like you because this is a dating sim, you have these like moments when you're like interacting with characters that they do these like portrait images of these characters yeah. that are supposed to, I guess, be sexy, I guess, or whatever. And <laughs> um, in, in like I think to my understanding, in like regular dating sims, that's what that idea is. But I wouldn't say that they're. I don't know. I don't. I, got, I mean, I get nothing out of dating sims. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, but like, like, that's just like that, preface, that's like the I, whole point of those images, right? Right, is right. They're, they're trying to be like, oh, this is a tender moment between you and this character. So instead of just they're, they're still, we're going to get you like a nice painted portrait of them just sitting there in like a in like a cute way or whatever. Yeah. And then they also do the death scenes. In that in same. That same format, which is weird. Yeah, it's 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 uncomfy, and I think like obviously they're playing they're 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 going for a more kind of like psychological route 
with with the I guess terror here of what makes you feel uncomfortable by showing you that in the same way that they showed you the romantic scenes, but they're showing you the hanging or the stabbed girl. Which, by the way, that was a messed up part um, when Yuri stabs herself. Yeah, not the she... stabbing itself. That was that was like startling in its own right. But how you're basically watching her and her blood drying yeah. after her stabbing herself in days. one of those portraits for yeah. three days. Like, because like, you're like clicking up. through, because you're like clicking, like okay, 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 and it's just all the like the random gibberish text, gibberish text, excuse me, and you're just clicking through, clicking through, clicking through, and you're like, okay, well, how much is there gonna be of this? And you click the skip button, and it's just going, going, going. It keeps going, and yeah. then you realize like, oh, the sun's going down. Okay, it's nighttime. Oh, the sun's coming back up, and then you're like, how long is this gonna go? And it's like just the whole weekend. And then you notice the blood starts to dry. Yeah, and yeah, and her browner. eyes, just, she gets like grayer, ugh. and yeah, yeah. And like that's that that's messed up and like, you know, I feel like like that like definitely like the 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 horror here is that kind of like subverting expectations, not quite jump scares, but like you're not you're, the, the they're trying to get you with things you're not expecting. Right. The whole time. Um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts about how you 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 you, you win, quote unquote? But okay, so again, I mean, obviously, we've been spoiling this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, so basically, at the end, Monica, Monica, excuse me, uh, she she deletes, she reveals that she's she's known that this is a game the whole time, and she apparently, if you did, you name your character Justin, or did you name your something else? No, I, I named it after my dog. <laughs> did she call you Justin in that moment? No, she called me by my Steam username. Okay, that's what it is. So she basically, uh, like, peels back the curtain and she's like, "I've known this is a game the whole time. I had I convinced Sayori to kill herself so that you would spend more time with me, and I made Yuri super super like uh, clinging onto you because I knew that that would drive um, Natsuki crazy. It's, but I just want to hang out with you the whole time." And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then it basically ends with she deletes the whole like game essentially, and then she is basically turns into like a back, like a desktop background <laughs> where she's just sitting there with like her hand on a desk, and she's like looking directly into the camera and is basically talking to you about how the whole time she she loved you and it, it was you the whole time, and then she like again looking into the camera is like, and this is how I deleted the characters. <laughs> I hope you would never delete me by going into the Steam page, going into the browse, whatever. Like, And so the idea is you go into the application and you delete her character. And then from there, the game resets at the end and there's just a little bit more and she deletes the whole game after that, realizing like, oh, this can never be good. But what did I think about it? I mean, the first time I played it, I was like, whoa, that's so crazy and cool. But this time I was like, okay. I just I think that there have been a lot of other games that did meta stuff a lot better and a lot cooler and that might just be, you know, recency bias or whatever you want to call it, but I felt that the game did not land with me basically at all this time around, but I also think mm. that that's because I don't think it has basically like any replay value because I yeah, mean, literally, like, and to to go off of that, you're so right because literally, once you're done with the game, they're like, you got to re- uninstall this game and reinstall <laughs> exactly, it again to play yes, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, because there's no game. I mean, it's just click. You just click, and that's fine because that it's a book, basically. That you know, it's a visual novel, but there's no game, so the replayability is just like you can't, you don't, unless you really, really loved this. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't get much out of that. What was that moment like for you? Was it cool at least to have to go in and delete whatever? No. 
uh, I think like at that moment for me, it like really kind of solidified that it wasn't really a horror game. Yeah. Like they're trying to make you feel unsettled and everything. They're trying to make you be like, oh, it's so like they're like actually watching you and stuff. But like it just kind of felt like, oh, okay, I mean, whatever. <laughs> and like I didn't get enough of that like, the, the creepiness earlier in the game to like really make it kind of seem consistent. It just seemed like you're playing this dating sim, this average dating sim yeah. for, well, I don't even know what an average dating sim is. You're playing a dating sim for like the first hour and a half. And then Way it kind of changes long. a little bit to be darker yeah. um, at the end. And it just, I don't know. I, it, do, do I think people should play this game? Um, probably not after listening to this conversation. They probably shouldn't. Like, there's no need to. I think we got the major points for them. Right. But again, if you're someone who likes visual novels, if you're someone who likes dating sims, and if you're someone who likes horror games, this game was made specifically for you. You are the, the 18 people in that Venn diagram. <laughs> but uh, I have a question. So did you catch any of the like very, very on-the-nose foreshadowing that was going on? Other than you had sort of said that you saw sort of what was going on with Sayori. But like Monica looks, she's talking to you about Yuri. And where did, I wrote it down. Where does she say this? Um, oh, it was something about how you find out, again, kind of in a gross way that like Yuri like cuts herself. And that is not, I don't think, handled very tastefully. But she says something about like Yuri would like hurt herself if she ever learned this. And it's like, okay. Or um, someone else says something really, really on the nose about like, well, it's all just a game, isn't it? Uh, it Monica says all this stuff, but it's like, uh, okay, that's. I don't know if I caught it that much. I think I did catch kind of like her poems were very kind of like um, oh, existential meta. I mean, her last poem ends with saying, "Delete her." Yeah, like, like, and obviously, if you don't know the, if you don't know how it ends or like what's going on, it doesn't make sense. But like her, poem I wonder is, how many people like finish the game not realizing that you have to delete her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they think the end of the game is just her staring at you, Forever. saying nothings to you. <laughs> right. I here's the thing. I thought that this. I think that to me, and I'm not like obviously, it's hard to make a game. But I it felt like the creators of the game were like, "Isn't that so crazy and messed up?" And like, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I guess it is scary that they're looking at me with realistic human eyes for half a second. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up, but like, it's not deep. It's it doesn't have it doesn't have anything to say. What? Because because I was thinking about when so, so with Sayori's death, what is it saying about mental health? Because it doesn't like doesn't say anything about it, does it? D- did you get anything out of it? They just she dies that way because Monica is is like manipulative and horrible and controlling her. And the, but that doesn't have any parallels to real life. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for it, but like being con- literally controlled because you're a program is not how it is in real life. You well, know? I think, but I think one of the one of the issues with I'm going to start off with with how people interact with video games, and then kind of extend it to the real world. Is that if you're playing a dating sim, you have, and specifically, like if this is a game, you probably have people who are playing this with the sole intention of which one of these person people do I like the most, and right. who I think is the hottest, right? Yeah, like that. That's how people play these kind of games, in which they they treat these characters like they're not real people, and they just are looking for the one that, and they're trying to say anything to this person that's going to make them like them in the video game. Yeah. And I think that is an attitude that translates not just to video games. I think that's how a lot of people do interact with human beings in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
obviously that's problematic if you're just treating people like objects rather than actual people with their real needs and their real inner things here. And I think this game is kind of trying to break that down about how, you know, you can't treat people like they are just a stereotype and how, you know, there's more to everyone than what is their exterior and what's on their exterior. And we have to like do things like realize that, you know, people can be hurting and we don't know people are hurting. Yeah. And a character like Sayori is clearly hurting and she's always been hurting. Your character just hasn't noticed it. And then it gets complicated when you're like throwing like the love and the other stuff in there and you're still kind of treating it like a dating sim at a certain point. And it doesn't matter what you say at a certain point because, you know, there's this problem that was there and it's not been noticed. And then then you try to like put a bandaid on it in the last minute and try to fix things. And I think I think if we're thinking about what this game is trying to do, I think it's more of a commentary on video games and a commentary on, you know, what we're expecting in these things mm. than, than so much it's trying to be a unique in-your-face horror game. And I think I can appreciate the game for, 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 for doing that. And they do try to go out of their way to uh, address some of the mental health issues that are sure. in here specifically that conversation you're having with Sayori in a room I think is really kind of one of those tender moments in which that's a really that's a really good conversation about understanding and listening to people who have mental health issues and what you can do for them mm-hmm. um, but then you know as you were saying earlier you have the uh, uh, Yuri situation and I think they handled her situation horribly with yeah. with her with cutting and self-harm um, I think that they did not that was that was something that was meant to be more for the shock value than anything um, in it but it still kind of goes to show you that some that someone no matter that there are problems that people have that we that we all often don't see on you know that people don't show on their out outsides but they can be affecting them on the inside and they can be debilitating things so right I'm not saying this game is like number one like supporting of like mental health issues by any means right. but I think that if you're thinking about like when uh, th- they were sitting down thinking about what the topic of this game was. I think that's what they were saying. And I think that's specifically because of all the meta stuff that was being involved with it about how this is something that is, you know, thinking about video games as a form and then what you can do and how we usually interact with those um, rather than it just being about another dating sim that turns creepy at the end. Sure, sure. All right, so I think one thing to consider, I think, that... that playing this game made me really think about was how often when we are associating horror with video games but any media one of the the go-to place is to focus that that horror is from a place of mental health like you have characters who are schizophrenic and that's scary you have characters who are are dealing with with a ptsd and that's scary you know, putting them in these positions and places and how often horror is used in a way that is, quite frankly, exploitative. Yeah. And um, I was reading an article, and I mean, you, you can find hundreds of articles about this, um, but uh, this is an article from... Um, <clears throat> let me take a second to pull this up. Uh, this is an article uh, that was uh, written by uh, Julianne Fields called Mental Health in Horror Games. Um, and it's from the website, The Medium, and, and they kind of go and show about how the argument of this article is saying how video games and movies initially, like the older ones, didn't treat mental health the way they should when they're being represented in horror games. 
And uh, they go on to talk a little bit about how games are getting, not perfect, but getting a little bit better. And one of the games that they were talking about was the game Hellblade uh, and how that game uh, represented people uh, who are suffering from schizophrenia in a way that is um, based more on research and, and conversations with people who have schizophrenia and doctors rather than it just being like, this is the typical schizophrenic person and how a typical schizophrenic person or stereotypical schizophrenic person acts. Mm. And what they did, which which kind of blew my mind a little bit at the end of this article, was they, they had a list of uh, scary games that uh, don't show mental health negatively Um and the list was made up of uh, such games as The Town of Light, Hellblade, Nevermind, Everything is Going to Be Okay. And then they have another one, uh, a, a section of, of games that aren't necessarily horror games, but games that don't treat mental health exploitatively. Uh, and that would be Doki Doki Literature Club, to which I read and was like, hmm. Depression <laughs> Quest, Stardew Valley, Night in the Woods, Celeste, and Actual Sunlight. Uh, were ones that they mentioned were games that did a good job that weren't horror games of representing mental health. So I, when I read Doki Doki Literature Club on there, I was like, did it though? I don't think <laughs> and, so. And then I was thinking about it, and I mean, in our conversation, I, I think you know they they are addressing stuff that people normally don't talk about, but then they're still kind of making it as the the horror or the shock value for this with characters committing suicide which is deeply unsettling and i don't know if that's necessarily representing those mental health issues correctly but i think in general what what are your thoughts about horror and how horror represents mental health like is this something that is problematic or is this something that you know people um just overthink yeah well of course it's problematic i think anytime you use anyone who's different or or not what uh, yeah yes i i think that anytime you use anyone who's different as a common scapegoat for being the villain or being scary it sucks i mean i mean we in all media in all stories there has always been a history of that with I mean, like, not even just with people who have mental health issues. I mean, you look at non-white people or non-straight people or things like that. Those always end up being the villains or at least traditionally have commonly been the villains. And I think that there have been many steps that have been made in the in positive directions for that. But when you look at a game like Doki Doki Literature Club, we... I mean, you have that great conversation in the bedroom with Sayori where you're like, listen, I don't... Like it, I, I'm learning about this for the first time, so it's going to take me a second to get it, but I'm here for you. And I might not understand exactly how you feel, but I know that I can be, be there for you and, and I want to be there for you. And it's like, wow, that's exactly how you should talk to people who are, who are revealing that sort of information to you. But then literally not even 10 minutes later, it's like, how fucked up it is that she killed herself. And it's like, come on, like pick a, pick a side here, you know, because you do look at games like, we mentioned Outlast earlier in the episode about like, it's just, the whole game is like how crazy are schizophrenic people and how crazy are these people who live in the asylum? It's like, come on. Like it's not, it doesn't do anything because they're just people. It's just like, I don't know. I think it's hurtful and I think it's bad. I think it's an easy, it's an easy way to try to 
try to scare people because it's all about like things that you're not familiar with and kind of going in, in areas and trying to explore areas that you don't know. Yeah. And they do it in just such a surface level stereotypical way that it becomes, I mean, even if it's scary or not, that's not the point. It's just, it's just kind of creating these stereotypes and perpetuating stereotypes for mental health. Yeah. And I think the, the, you know, the, from my interpretation of playing um, Blair Witch to me, that game was not scary. There was a couple moments that that near the end they kind of have like a very PT style um, house of like horrors type of thing when you're going through different doors and things are popping in, and there's a couple of jump scares in there. But the game is essentially you um, who you're basically looking in the woods for um, a lost boy, mm-hmm. uh, and you're with your little German Shepherd dog. And you're just trying to 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 find out where this boy is, but then it's in the first like thirty minutes, it becomes clear that you are suffering from PTSD from something, and it just started to become something that from the very beginning horror was being brought from the idea that this person was suffering from PTSD, and it wasn't in a way that was either effective to for showing what PTSD was or really effective for um uh kind of dealing with horror either and it just became this like as i was playing it i'm like you're really swinging and missing hard on all of these aspects and i almost left that kind of being like you know you know i ptsd is a real issue and i feel like you're just using ptsd in the most stereotypical ptsd type of way Mm. um i i personally sorry go on Oh, no. And, 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 you know, rather than actually saying something about PTSD or uh, trying to, you know, have this character grapple with this in a realistic way and the way the game ends without spoiling it, uh, basically, it, it's just kind of no matter what you do doesn't necessarily matter with your character and what happens with it. And it just kind of like if you're going to include something that's so real, why? Why? Why say nothing? If that's yeah. how you're going to. Yeah, if not going to say anything about it. That's like, personally, I, I'm sure that there are stories that can be told using mental health in the horror genre, but I don't. I really haven't seen anything that has done a good job with it. On the flip side of that, games that are not horror, that do tackle mental health, oftentimes do it really, really well. You look at Celeste. And maybe we've even talked about on the show where like the whole thing is she's overcoming this mountain and the mountain is representing her anxiety and and things of that nature. And then by the end of the game, when spoilers, you get to the top of the mountain, it's like you've conquered this huge thing. And this was something that you did no matter how you did it, you did it. And I think that's an awesome message to send. And I think that that's exactly the kind of message that should go hand in hand with things like mental health, because other than that, you're if you're if you're still relying on mental health to be scary or like polarizing and horrifying, it it just doesn't have. If you're trying to say something profound about mental health, I don't know if you can do it by using horror because it's like at the at the core of it saying like this is scary and weird and you should not like this. So kind of uh, putting like a. Uh... A, a nice little period on this conversation. Yeah. Um, one game that uh, has been both critiqued but also applauded for how it's been handled, how it handled mental health, was Hellblade. Sure. And so your main character, basically, the plot of this is that uh, you are trying to 
return uh, your husband's dead head and bring him back to life um, by basically going to the land of the dead. Um, and I believe it's set in like Norse mythology. So yeah. they're saying things like uh, Midgar and um, uh, where's Thor from again? Asgard. Asgard. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I, like, I get yeah, these things. I get these yeah. references. I'm good. Um, but like the character is schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And it starts off with you them saying you should play this with 3D headphones. And the whole time you're playing, you hear voices in the background, like different voices, like saying things to you and the things like turn back. Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Like as the whole game is going on. And one of the first credits they show you was a uh, mental health advisor. And, you know, looking into like this game while the creatives are not suffering from schizophrenia who made this. They did a lot of research with talking to um, doctors, people who suffer from schizophrenia and everything like that in order to try to represent this in a way that was pretty accurate. Um, And uh, there's actually uh, two doctors who played Hellblade Hmm. and they reviewed it. Um, And they said... Uh, Ninja Theory's effort here is remarkable for the extent to which the studio solicited, retained, and followed the advice of professionals in the field and consulted advisors who suffered from similar conditions. Thus, the game aspires to a more faithful and honest depiction of an oft-stigmatized mental illness, a depiction that may yield positive effects as an educational experience given the increasingly ubiquitous hold immersive video games have on the public. This game may also aid in the education of mental health professionals who strive to understand their patients' uh, perceptual, emotive, and cognitive experience as much as their neurochemistry. And Hmm. the reason this quote stuck out to me is not only are these doctors talking about this and having played this, but video games are a, a, a medium that give us such a unique and creative ability to get into someone's head and experience life through someone else's lens and perspective in a way that if done correctly can be amazing it can be helpful and can be informative and that's not an easy thing to ask a lot of people to do but it is something that makes video games way more unique and way more powerful than just an average movie or a tv show or something like that to Mm -hmm. actually experience this stuff and create this stuff and hellblade even though i haven't finished it or beat it um you know to hear that time went into trying to make that game as true to people who are schizophrenic as possible and all the thought the thoughts were were considered when going through this i think um you know whether or not people like it or they don't like it or think it's accurate or not their intention was to try and their intention was to try to represent this and i think intentions are just as important as anything in video games um and even if something like doki doki literature club doesn't necessarily do it i would hope that games are are using have the good intentions in mind when they're trying to display this stuff i agree and i think that that puts a lovely little bow on this conversation that we're having so hey, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you know we we really do appreciate you listening. It, it really does mean the world uh, to me, and I'll speak for Justin here. It means the world to him as well. Oh my gosh, we didn't even do your hitbox sound. What is it? What are you, is it? A box of nerds? It's a box of nerds. You want to know oh, why? Because you a nerd. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, but it's not that. It's it's, it's Halloween, Halloween, so you got to get your candy. So I opened it up and. That's audio poison right there. Just listening to someone chew. That's pretty horrific. 
Um, you, can, you can sign off now if you want. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So uh, thank you again. Thanks for listening. If you want to share it with a friend, that would be really cool. You can follow us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, that's that's how these sorts of things get visible to people who have never listened before. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at HitboxPod. Or send us an email at HitboxOfficialPodcast at gmail.com to let, me know, to let us know what you thought of what your best you know halloween fall time games are or what you thought about doki doki literature club or if you have anything to add to the conversation surrounding mental health and games that would be um choice do you have any do you have anything else to uh uh i have a few more nerds to eat all right uh i think that's gonna do it for us here and we're always hey always remember i've got a sign off are you ready for the sign off i'm ready always remember old games are old later <laughs> hell yeah they are all right that's i'll stop recording <laughs>